Women are more sensitive than men. They are more attuned emotionally than men are. So once you know how to touch their emotions, then you know that you are affecting their well-being. If you know how to minister to their emotions, then you know that you are ministering to their needs. I see the world before me. I feel the cages forming. Seems like the world is falling, but I keep my head up the ground. I see the world before me. I know what change is coming. I hear the world is calling, so I keep my head up the ground. We break into Hello and welcome to the Barrier Breakers Corner, where we shift mindsets around various topics such as family, finance, relationships, dreams and visions, and most importantly, opportunities and how to walk into them. We want to annihilate the assumption that we cannot break barriers. Let me tell you this today. There is more on the other side of you breaking that barrier that you would never know unless you do. Welcome to the Barabicus Corner, where we step out on faith and defy the odds. I am your host, Joyce Donkor. Today, I'm joined by my wonderful guests here, my London parents. Everybody has heard about them in the podcast. <laughs> Auntie Dinah and Uncle John, they are amazing, amazing people. I love you guys, and I thank you for coming on here. Please introduce yourself. Well, my name is Diana Jimfra. I'm married to Mr. John Ajimfra. We have two children, Jeremiah Ajimfra and Shekinah Ajimfra. We've known each other for 25 years. We're still going. We're still pressing on. And I think that's about it. Yeah, I'm John Ajimfra, married to Diana Ajimfra. We've been married for 20 years, but we've known each other for 25 years. So we are a quarter of a century old. Wow. And it's just amazing that we have this topic, keeping it alive. And 20 years, oh my God. That is actually really good. So (laughs) actually, before we even dive in, tell us a little bit about your love story. The first time we met was in 1996. I think it was in about February time. First time we actually met. It was very brief. I was introduced to her at an in-law's place. She was there with her uncle. Just a quick, this is Diana. This is John. I guess, hello. She said, hello. That was it. Then I went to another function. In fact, at the same house, went to another party there. And this time I was introduced to Diana's mom. And that's when I gave Diana's mom my telephone number. And I asked her for her telephone number. And I think the next day I called and we arranged for a date and went out on a date. In fact, the first week went on a date. Wow, uncle. (laughs) But I think before we actually went on a date, we were talking a lot, weren't we? On the phone. Well, let me tell you what I remember. (laughs) (laughs) There's always the lady side. I think, yes, we got intro- we were introduced to each other as a family gathering. And then he met my mom. Yeah. Yes, I think a couple of months later. But in between, I think there were conversations going on. Oh, you have to call mm. her or what? No, I can't even remember. No. To cut a long story short, he called and he said, oh, I'm John, blah, 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 blah. And I think we started as friendship. Yeah, of course we did. We started as friendship. We went on a date. Did we go on a date? As friends. As friends. Okay. Uncle was shooting his shot from day one. (laughs) (laughs) We just went to watch a film, that's all. 
We were mostly friends on the phone. We used to talk a lot because I was a chef. So I used to work till very late at night. When I got home, I used to get home around about 10, 11. And oh, we could sit on the phone for two, three hours. We could talk till about two in the morning. You guys still do anyway. <laughs> we just talked. It's so surprising. I mean, when we met each other, John used to stammer a lot, you know, but after 20 years, I don't hear the stammering anymore. I believe it must be the love. Ooh. Oh, yes. Because, <laughs> yeah, it used to stammer a lot. And it's I used to say, stammer. oh, my God. Very, very bad. How can we communicate with this tamarind? But time went on. I think that's one thing that we will have to thank God for, that it just disappeared. You know, love covers everything and it conquers all and it heals. Yes, I believe so. It does heal <laughs> and it repairs, you know. <laughs> so, Uncle, when you met Auntie Diana, did you know that this was the one for you? In a way, I did, yeah, but I didn't let her know then. You see, and the sort of person who was brought up in a home where I saw a mom and a dad together. There was nothing between them. They were always together. So I always aspired to have a relationship like that because they did everything together. The only time you saw them apart is if one had traveled. But at home, they were always together. They didn't go out without each other. They went shopping together. So mm. that's what I aspire to. And I see that in you guys even now. So even though you aspire to do that, that's what you have. Like you guys go for shopping together. You do everything together. The only time you have a party is when you travel. Yeah. And I feel like it's so important to have that in the home because most people that come from broken homes, some people make that conscious decision that they are going to have a better relationship. Other people cannot. They don't know how to face that because they have never seen that before. So having that at home is so important. We are saying this now, but anyone that is listening or that will ever listen to this, if you have an idea of what you want your home to be, you have to make that conscious decision to walk towards it or else it's not going to happen. Yeah. But some people just get married and they're like, oh, we are getting married and that's it. But they don't have a plan. They haven't seen a vision of it before. So they don't know how to do it. That's very true. You need to have a plan. How do I want mine to look like? And what steps do I need to take? What am I going to do? Although I don't know how to get there, I need to take baby steps to make sure it happens. Those are the decisions we made mm. and we've kept to. Yeah. That's very good. What was your vision about marriage? Like I said, seeing my adoptive parents, the way they were, mm -hmm. so close, uh, doing everything together. That's the vision that I had for marriage and basically walking together in destiny. You have a common goal. You have a common aim where you both want to be. I told her once, you and me will be rocking old and green, I reckon, Joe. So don't think you're going anywhere. And me, I'm not going anywhere. So <laughs> that, uh -huh. keep that in mind. Uh -huh. You know, we will both rock old and gray in our rocking chairs. So that's the vision that I had. I had a vision of growing old with someone, living with the person until God calls me home or God calls the person home. As simple as short as that. Uh, yeah. yeah. With me, I'm an only child and I've always been by myself. I always went to visit friends and families on holidays. So I always wish that I had a brother or a sister. There were times I would think, oh, I wish I had a brother to talk to, you know, and I never had that. So before I got married, I always said I wanted an older brother, someone I can be friends with and, you know, share my fears and my aspirations, anything, you know, I wouldn't go into marriage because of maybe what the person has or, yes, we both come in with what we have and we work it out. Build together. We build together. But first and foremost, 
someone to accept who I am and I will also accept him. We are not perfect. Once we can accept that we are starting at, let's say, three over 10, you know, or we agree that, listen, we are at four out of 10. Let's work it out. So we get to nine out of 10 or 10 out of 10. I'm prepared to go through that. I'm not the type who would want, oh, what has he got? And I would say it's good to aspire. It's good to dream. You know, when you have such dreams, you sort of work towards it. How have you kept it alive? It's been 20 years. One thing that I'll say is that we're not perfect. No one is perfect. As Diana said, we're still working at it. We have our highs and our lows. Mm -hmm. But one thing that keeps at the back of mind is that we are on a journey. You know, if you are in an aeroplane and you're in the air, you don't suddenly open the door and jump out. You stay in until the plane lands. Yeah. And that's what I see marriage as. We're in a plane. Mm -hmm. We are on a journey. We haven't reached our destination yet. Until we get there, we are still on the plane. So that's how I keep, especially my side of the marriage alive. I said, I'm on a journey. Yes, there'll be bumps on the road, air turbulences. There might be rain outside, thunderstorms. But one thing that I'm assured of is that I know that even though I'm in the plane, I have someone with me, not just my partner, but there's a third person within the marriage. And that is Christ. You know, the third cord, the Holy Spirit is our third cord. He binds us together. As long as I have that in mind that we are on a journey and that journey is not finished because we have a third person who's guiding us to our destination. That's how I know that this marriage will be kept alive. We depended on God. Yeah. I mean, when we met each other, I was a born again Christian. He wasn't. I was a Christian, but but I was a born again. You were a Christian, but you weren't a born again Christian. But I thank God for his grace. There were times I used to buy books. Um, good morning, Holy Spirit, thinking I could make him the man of God I wanted him to be. But we encountered different instances where instantly God told me, no, depend on me. Let me teach you how. Let me take over. So within about a year, I stopped doing those things, you know, and I sort of decided, no, God, you take over. You teach me how. If I want us to communicate a lot, because like I said earlier on, he used to stammer a lot. So. How do we communicate? He used to be someone who kept things to himself, you know, and it's two ways. You can do it through arguing or getting to know the person inside. Must be because of something. Let me get to know him. Let me, you know, dig deeper and see what comes out. So it's been a journey of discovering each other and building together. And now we talk about anything and everything. Sometimes when he comes home, I'll say something to him. And then after about an hour or two, I'll repeat again. Oh, guess what? And then he goes, you've told me already. And then sometimes I do it a third time. Oh, have I told you this person called? He says, you've told me. As soon as I came in, you told me. But that is how it is. We talk a lot. I think that's one thing I loved about you guys. Your communication was like top notch. (laughs) This 101% (laughs) is amazing how I lived with you guys for a little bit over a year. No. More than a year you lived with us, Naki. 2010 to 2011. That's when I left. No. A year and a half. No. I did. I came 2010 January. I was in London for five years, remember? Uh-huh. And I was staying at Snowfall from 2006 December till 2009 December. I stayed with them for three years. Really? Really three years? Yeah. So I lived in Norfolk for three years. And then I moved to you guys 2010 January. And I was there July 2011. I can't remember. It felt like four, five years. It felt like four, five years. Let's be honest with you. I really remember. I'm sure it's because of the communication that we've kept over the years. My only thing with you guys are a year and a half. Wow. What? Okay. 
And I have never seen you guys argue. <laughs> I had never seen you guys argue. It was always communication about communication. Even when uncle traveled, it's like auntie will be on the phone the whole time. Mind you, auntie does not drive. So we're taking the bus home. <laughs> auntie will be on the phone to uncle <laughs> the whole time. Even when I worked with you at House of Fraser, I come into auntie's office. She's on the phone with you. I'm like, yo, you guys just left the house. <laughs> What are you talking about? But I know you have a business, Faithful and Fruitful. So I'm sure maybe that as well as house stuff. But it was always talking, talking, talking a lot. And on one of the previous podcasts, I was telling them how you guys are communicating. They're like, what are they talking about? (laughs) We like to check up on each other. Even when I'm at work, I always call her. That's how we are. I just call her just to find out, hi, are you okay? Everything okay at home? Even if it's for five, ten minutes, just call. She'll also tell you about what has happened during that time. <laughs> Want to buy anything for you on my way back? Or pop into the shop, buy me this, buy me that on the way back. Things like that. Or she'll call me, oh, John, you know, mm-hmm, on your way back, can you get me this? Can you get me that? And believe me, you, we do argue. I have never seen that. <laughs> I think the only argument I've seen is the one that when uncle will be driving and there'll be a red light and auntie will be like, oh, John, it's red or it's red. <laughs> He's like, I'm the one driving. How come you're the one telling me that it's red? <laughs> oh john is green it's green oh, like, but she's on the phone too she's talking on the phone meanwhile she's telling you whether it's a red light or a green light i'm like what's going on i think we do argue but if i'm not happy with something i would never react i wait till it's just the two of us or we are going to bed and then i'll talk to him john x y z happened i wasn't too happy with it i would never ever react i mean last year jeremiah our oldest son asked me said mom and dad do you ever argue you don't yell at each other and i said yes we don't because anytime any of us you know is upset about anything we wait till we're ready to listen to each other and i do a lot of talking you know, I make sure he listens to me or when he's talking to me, I listen to him. We don't bring ourselves to a stage where he talks, I talk. He's, no, 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 no. I don't think it's in my nature and it's not in his nature as well. So that side doesn't happen. You know, the moment you know, this will upset John. Why would I do it to upset him? Because I don't want to see the raw side of him. You know, like he said earlier on, he's a chef. I used to work with him when he was at Marriott at Bond Street. And I've seen him under pressure and all that. And I don't want to bring that home, you know. So if it wants to be heated, I'll just hold back. We try to iron out issues amicably. We don't fight. We don't solve problems by shouting. By shouting. And it's one thing that one needs to be mindful of. Because if you do it once, it will continue. And then you don't care where you are. And these things sort of affect children. So for our son to ask me that question when he was 18 years, I thought, God, I thank you. Because one of my aspirations about marriage was that, God, I want my marriage to glorify you. This was a prayer I made to God and I always told God, you know, I'm seeing it. Most of our friends and our younger friends always say, Auntie I wish my marriage is like yours. I prayed about it and I asked God to teach me. So I would advise and encourage anyone else that's, Listen, speak to God about it and be open. Yes, the tests will come. But when the tests come, don't react. Don't do it your way. Don't do what makes sense. Sometimes the Spirit of God will say, you know what? Just keep quiet for now. Don't talk about it now, later on. If you do it your way, 
you do it the way you saw it in the television or in a mm-hmm. film or in a book, then you're taking matters into your hands. But always depend on the spirit of God. Sometimes my husband will be saying something I do not understand. I don't get him. And then later I'll say, God, what is this? After a while, the spirit of God will make me understand it. Or sometimes I need him to get my side of the story. At a point in time, he doesn't. But I'll raise the matter again. You say, okay, if you say so, or, well, this is why I said X, Y, and Z. And I'll give you a scenario. When our oldest was getting ready for secondary school, we were made to believe that, oh, they have to go to a mission school. So you do anything possible. So we tried to get them into a Catholic school. And I started going for baptismal classes and all that. Confessional classes. And I realized he wasn't interested. When we started, he takes us every evening. He drops us and then he comes home. We have a session at church after an hour and then I come home with the children. He told me he wasn't happy, but he didn't show it by being angry or anything. He still allowed me to go with the children. And then we got to a stage where they were going to be confirmed. We've made all the necessary arrangements, children's clothes and everything. And then he just told me, he said, Diana, I serve a living God. And if my children should go to a normal school, if it takes them to go there, then so be it. Those were his words. He says, I'm not happy with this and I'm not going to the confirmation with you. Instantly, I thought, wow. So I called my parents and I said, well, John says he doesn't want the children to go to the Catholic school. Now, my mom said, oh, I know John is very understanding. Oh, talk to him a bit, you know, try and plead with him. I said, okay. But my dad asked my mom to call me about 30 minutes later. And my dad said, no, if John has spoken and it's final, what your husband says is final. You have to adhere to that. And then I spoke to my auntie and my auntie goes, oh, try and, you know, coax him into it. But my dad said, no. So I just decided, I said, God, what do I do? So I just decided I wouldn't even show up. And yes, we did not show up. And then I prayed. I said, God, I mean, help us through this. Because although in my mind, I'm doing what is right. I think that is what is right. And my husband says, no. Do I continue to start an argument and a fight and a contention in the home? But to the glory of God, we applied for something like a grammar school. It's like a grammar school, yeah. You know, and Jeremiah got admission there and he even got a scholarship there. So sometimes knowing your position as the wife, sometimes you are right or what he's saying doesn't make sense to you. But because you are honoring a godly principle, God comes through. It's always important to agree and make sure that there's a rapport amongst you, you know, and making sure that you are all coming to a common ground and not having different plans or motives. That's very good. Not having different plans and motives and being submitted under the authority that you already have, you know, also committing into God's hands, letting him direct you. It's very, very important in any kind of relationship so that you're going the right direction. So why is it important to keep the marriage alive? First and foremost, it's about destiny. Like I said earlier, having a common goal. 
we decided to start a business together. I'm a caterer. She was then also into hospitality. Let's start a company where food is involved and that kind of thing is involved. So that sort of gave us a common goal, something to strive towards, to something to work on. So that sort of kept a marriage going. Not only that, communication is key in any marriage in, or in any relationship. Communication is key to keep the marriage alive. Uh-huh. You need to be able to communicate. Your highs and your lows, your good times, your bad times, they will be there. But one thing that you have to understand is that it's a journey. And if you are on a journey and you have a common purpose, common goal, a destiny that you know you are both aspiring to, then your marriage or your relationship will be kept alive. As I said to you earlier, we're not perfect. No one is perfect. But we make each other laugh. We go to bed, we joke, we laugh about things. Even at times we laugh at each other. Yeah. You know, I said, ah, Dana, today this hairstyle you had your hair wasn't good at all. Why? Oh, she said, oh, John, that haircut, I didn't like that haircut at all. No, 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 I didn't like it. And then she make a joke about it and then laugh. All of that keeps us going. So it's about knowing each other, knowing what the other person is thinking, knowing what the other person is feeling. That is how you keep your marriage alive. And ministering to each other's needs. You know, this is a word I always use. Yeah, she always uses that for me. You need to minister, minister to my needs. To my needs. Yes. You have to find my Tell needs. Tell me your needs, my dear. I said, Try and discover it. Always look for it. <laughs> so I tell her, and then I, I will also look for yours. <laughs> so I tell her, and minister to those needs. I don't want to look. <laughs> we'll tell you. Look for it. Look for it. Lately, we've been talking a lot about our mental health and all sorts. You know, sometimes there's something wrong, but you can't put a finger on it. But because the person is always interested in you, talking to you, trying to discover, so why are you always quiet? Or why do you like to sing? Little, little things, Mm. you know, it brings out so much. Yeah. So get involved with each other. Don't say, oh, leave her alone. That's how she is. No, make sure you find out. Be interested in each other. Can you clarify what you mean by ministering to each other's needs? <laughs> no, I explain this one. <laughs> I think I started, you know, sometimes maybe you have a partner. Okay, I'm speaking as a wife. You know, my husband, he likes to be served when he comes from work. He doesn't like a situation where you say, oh, the food is in the kitchen. Can you help yourself? No. He likes to be served. So as soon as, oh, hello, da, 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 da. Okay, sits. And then I make sure I go and get his dinner ready and serve him. Whilst he's eating, we'll be chatting. I'll be telling him things I've already told him on the phone. I'll start again. Oh, this happened. How was your day? Blah, 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 blah. And through that, even if he doesn't want to talk, he's forced to talk. Because remember, I said he was a very quiet person. He doesn't talk too much. The more you bring, you get it out of him. You know, and then he begins to feel comfortable around you. You know, when he notices I'm not happy about something, I'll keep quiet. Ah, what's wrong? This is not you. The car is very quiet. So maybe when we get home and we're about to go to bed, what is it? Today I noticed you were quiet. Are you okay? Many a times you say, are you okay? And I'll say, I'm fine. But he knows something is not well. So you always make time to find out about the person, have a genuine interest about the person. You'll be surprised at discoveries you make instead of always pointing fingers, doing X, Y, and Z. Oh, is this, is that? He's not romantic. Make him romantic, you know? I mean, I'm a very touchy-feely person. So when I first met her, even holding her hands, she wouldn't let me hold her hands because she he had that Ghanaian mentality that <laughs> you can't hold hands. 
you can't hold on. You can't touch it like you know. But that's how I minister to her at times. I like to hold her, like to give her hugs, I give her kisses sometimes, tell her that I love you. That is how you minister to someone's needs. Let them know the affection you have for them, not just in words, but indeed. When we were courting, I used to buy her cards like practically every week. I'd send her a card. Even when we're married. And I would go to the shop and I'll look at the cards. Mm-hmm. I always read the words in the card. And the words in the card, that touches my heart. Mm-hmm. So every card I sent to her was different. And when you read it, I said, that's how I felt about you. That's how I feel about it. That's why I bought the card. And she still has I'm a lot a, of them. She said, she said, card she said I'll, I'll never throw them away because, <laughs> you know. So that is how I know how to minister to a woman's needs. Because... Women are more sensitive than men. They are more attuned emotionally than men are. So once you know how to touch their emotions, then you know that you are affecting their well-being. If you know how to minister to their emotions, then you know that you are ministering to their needs. Women are more intuitive than, than men are. So they know when something is wrong before you even know it. So a man has to come to a place where he also tries to tune himself or get to the feminine side of himself. Because every man has got it. Just as women have got the masculine side of themselves, men have got the feminine side of themselves. And I don't mean it in a bad way. Men can be emotional too, but they don't know how to show it. Uh-huh. Like I said, I grew up in a home where I saw my parents both display their emotions outwardly so that everyone saw it. They loved each other. They did everything together. Anniversaries, they did it together. They did everything together. Buying each other cards, buying flowers, doing that, doing that, doing that. It was mostly my dad who did that. My mom was the receiver. My dad was the giver. <laughs> and his mom taught me likewise. <laughs> mom taught me likewise. You know, his mom was said, receive. No, you always receive, you always take. <laughs> Don't go anywhere without him. Dana, put your foot down. Dana, let's toast to this on a glass of sherry. You know? Thank God I had a wonderful mother-in-law. So if you know how to affect their emotions in a good way, because some men can use that to abuse women. But if you know how to do it in the right way, peace of mind at home, you'll have any trouble. <laughs> no problems. <laughs> And I think we as women also know where we are or where we're supposed to be by submitting, not raising your voice and doing the right things, you know, making your man your king, you know, and always treat him with respect. You know, you get anything you want, but if he's made to think you always have a plan B, but he is your plan B. Oh yeah, my plan A and my plan B. My plan A and my plan B. My plan A to plan Z. (laughs) For real. We talk about everything and anything. My plan A to my plan Z. I think one of the things that I loved about you guys was complimenting each other, whether it was at home or outside. (laughs) You both like to compliment each other. (laughs) And I think that's one thing that they use at church store and they're like, oh my God, I really want this kind of marriage. I really want my relationship to be like this. Because you see, auntie will be walking past and her uncle will be like, oh my God, you're looking good. In the midst of everybody, I'm like, I, I, and auntie just knows how to make everybody. <laughs> I work it, I work it, I work it. I work it, you know? <laughs> 
And so does auntie does to uncle as well. You know, be like, I love this suit on you. This tie is really good, you know. And it's so good to see that. It makes you yeah, like, oh my God, I really aspire to have this, you know. And I've heard a lot of people, well, most of the youth at church when I was in London. When I was staying with you guys, they were like, oh my God, we are so jealous of you, da 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 You know, it's like, we wish we could stay there because you guys are chefs and you guys are cooking like different foods. And they are like, you are experiencing different continental food. Yeah. What advice can you give anyone that is struggling to keep their marriage alive? Pray and ask God to help you. And allow God to teach you. When the Spirit of God speaks, listen. Yeah. And not only that, when you're praying, get into the Word and be practical. Take each day at a time. In any marriage, struggles will come. No one has a perfect marriage Uh whereby everything is plain sailing. Uh Don't forget, when children come in, it becomes even double the pressure because Uh now you have other mouths to feed. But one thing that I always said to my wife is that, Diana, even when we have children, I will not let them come between the relationship that I have with you. So our bedroom is sanctimonious. If you come in, you have to know you don't just badge in. You have to know that this is my secret place. Mm-hmm. The children never slept between us. The children never yeah, slept between we us. never allowed them to sleep between us. They don't come between us. You want to lie down, go lie on the other side. Not between my wife and me. Yeah. She's the one who's close to me. You go lie on the other side or something. Or you lie next to me. And then we'll talk. So I made that distinction that this is what we'll be doing, no matter what. We'll talk about anything and everything. And, yeah. No matter what happens, we talk about issues. Big or small. Big or small. Yeah. We cry to each other. We laugh with each other. And I always thank God. He's always there to encourage me. Sometimes I'm so upset. Someone wrongs me and I'm so mad. And then he says, no, or stop it. I have no choice but to stop it. I think that's what held us together. That is so good. So this will take us to the second segment of our podcast, which is highlighting a barrier breaker. And I'm going to highlight Serena Williams. She just won one of her games, actually. And her husband was there with her, supporting her. And I was going to talk about one of the games she lost after that. But I think I'm going to talk about how important it is to support your spouse, that you are one together. Can you guys touch on that? Let me give you an example. Four years ago, 2016, Diana decided to go and do another degree course in accountancy. Now, at that time, I was the sole breadwinner in the home and she had not been working for quite a while. But I think about it, I said to myself, look, this is something that will not only help her career or prospects. Yes, it's going to take time. But what are the benefits? What are you going to gain as a couple? What are you going to gain as a household? So I said, you know what? You go ahead, do it. I'm here to support you. I go and drop her off at college, call me John, come and pick me up. I go and pick her up. So it's about understanding, knowing what to do and what not to do. She knows that I'm always there to listen to her. So if she has anything, she comes to me. She always asks me first, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Do you think I should do that? Do you think I shouldn't do that? But then we say, okay, if you think you can do it, go ahead and do it. I will support you because that's what marriage is about. It's about supporting each other. It's not about you saying, oh, I'm the man of the house. I say, no, you can't do it. Or, oh, I'm the woman. If you don't like it, I'm going to do it. No, it's about support. We need to support each other, especially in our lows as well. When something is not going well, he's not having a good day, he comes home. Always speak life to him. Speak, strengthen him. Be the one that anytime he's low, he would run to, not his friend. Even if it's his fault. Oh, I know you can do this, but look at it this way. So you must know how to talk to each other and strengthen each other. You know, sometimes I'll say, oh, John, I haven't fulfilled my 
purpose or you say, no, 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 no. You know, you've done this. You've done this. You've done this. And I'm so proud of you. He always tells me how proud he is of me. You know, you've done that and you did that. No, no, no. Don't look at it that way. God is in control. And that alone keeps you going, you know. So even when you're at your lowest, you know, he's always there to pick you up, always supporting you and encouraging you that it is well. He always makes you discover the strengths in yourself. So it makes you want to do more. But if he's a type who always beats you down, it just generates friction and all sorts. That's very good. Supporting is so important. I feel like it could also help you figure out even your purpose more. Yes, definitely. And so to our last segment, which is the LTT segment, the Let's Talk Jesus segment, it's a question that we've been treating all throughout the season. And it's on a first date, who pays the bill? And during courtship, when do you start splitting the bill? To be honest with you, we've never really discussed that before. I know that on the first day that we went out, we went to the cinema, we went to watch film, I paid for the film and everything. But after that, we've never really raised money as an issue. It's just the understanding. I know sometimes couples say, oh, because he split the bill, he's this kind of person. What made him do that? Get to know the person more than you can see. I don't think we've ever had that issue. We've never, no. We do everything together, even in terms of our finances the same bank accounts. We know what's going in, what's coming out. Once everyone is doing their separate stuff, then there's always the apprehension. What is she into? But once everything is on the table, we make decisions together. Let's do it this way. Why don't we look at this? Let's put X amount here and see if we can save. You all know there's nothing hiding anywhere. Like we said earlier, there's no plan B. We are the plan A to Z. Do you have any final words? Love conquers all, even if you have your bad sides because of love. It just consumes everything. You accept each other's faults and help each other to get out of it and always strengthen each other, encourage each other, highlight each other's strengths. And once you do that with the help of God, I believe you always be on the winning side. Your love for each other is always fresh. You always discover new things about each other. If you minister to each other's needs, if you are interested in each other, you know, you want the best out of each other. And remember, everyone has a need. Everyone. We have to minister to the needs. Yes. Some women want to be told they are loved. Some women just need a hug. Some men also need that. Sometimes you say, listen, look into my eyes. Believe in me. God is in control. You are good. You are good. You know, and that alone helps the other one to settle down. You know, don't be selfish. Be each other's support system. And on that note, we bring this podcast to an end. Thank you so much for being here. It was a great conversation. So I appreciate you for being here. I love you guys so much. Thank you. We love you more. We are so proud of you. Keep up the good work. And no matter what. Keep shining. We're here to support you. Yeah. We're always a phone call away. God bless you. Thank you for listening to the Barrier Breakers Corner podcast. If you liked what you heard, please give us a five-star review and subscribe to the show wherever you listen to your podcast. Also, share with those you think can benefit from this information. Please email all questions, suggestions, and compliments to the Podcast at gmail.com. The Barrier Breakers Corner podcast is produced by the Podcast Laundry Production Company and executive produced by 
Joyce Donkor. The podcast music was written by Chidi Omenihu and produced by Andy Official in Vegandia, West Africa. Cause they-